You ever suspect that God is up to something? I don't know if pastors are the only ones that think this way, but it seemed like I remember last year almost every winter storm came on the weekend. And so, I don't know, maybe, maybe the Lord is filtering us out. <laughs> Who's really serious about it? I understand that people were at uh, Arrowhead Stadium at 2 a.m. today. Wow. I'm glad you braved the elements to be here, and uh, I will uh, do my very best to preach my very best to you today. I, I think, I wonder if if I may have done a few things that no one else has ever done in the world. <laughs> and I just wonder, Would you mind if I kind of take a little poll and see if anyone else has done some of the stuff that I do? You may notice today that I sound a little bit different. It's because I'm dealing with a swollen tongue. And I wonder, have any of you ever bit your tongue while you sneezed? Anybody? About four or five, we are just unique individuals, you know. I think Friday night I was sitting around and I sneezed and all of a sudden, you know, that feeling of, oh, wow. And then I was trying to teach this morning and my tongue kept getting in the way. But I think I've done some things very few people have ever done, you know. And not long ago, I, I uh, under things that no one else has ever done, I, I opened the door for my wife. I, the, you know, the pickup door for my wife. She sits in, and as a gentleman, I'm going to close the door behind her. But as I started to close the door, she said something to me. And I leaned forward to say, what? As I was bringing the door forward, and I shut my head in the door. Have any of you ever done that? So see, I am unique. <laughs> I've accomplished some things no one else has ever done. Let's let's do a little bit of uh, introducing today. <laughs> I, I I preached the last Sunday of the year uh, a message that tell you what I'm going to start the year with. I know Pastor Dustin, I've got a chance to listen to his message, but I think it was somewhat on the same line that I've been I've been talking about. And so today I want to continue introducing to you the concepts we're going to be dealing with at the opening part of this year. Resolutions that heal. Did you know that your life was created to be very good? I'm not, don't, don't respond to this. Just think about it. But would you describe your life as very good? Very good. The Bible says in Genesis, if you read that, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 through 31, I'll just summarize. At the end it says, be, be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth. And it says that God looked at what he had done and said it is very good. That was the life that God created for you and me, that it would be very good. Of course, we know sin messed it all up. And, but then God restored the very good. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is, and now I'm going to describe your life, love, joy, peace, patience, hallelujah, Kindness, goodness, fruitful, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the description of your new life that has been reclaimed from sin. Right? Did that describe you? Just Donna, huh? That, that is the new life God has created for you. And, and my whole point of this series 
is going to be when we look at our lives and we don't see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. When we don't see those things, something in our mind should say something is wrong. Something's wrong. I, I am not where God created me to be and I am not where Jesus redeemed me to be. That's why I'm saying in this series, let's talk about resolutions that heal because if I am not living in the fruit of the Spirit, I need a spiritual healing in my heart. And they all said, Amen. We need a spiritual healing in our heart. Remember last time, if you can remember back two weeks ago, I told you about a fundamental equation that I think all Christian counselors use. And if you're going to give good advice to people who need healing, you need this equation in your life. Truth plus grace plus time equals healing. Truth plus grace plus time equals healing. If you came to me as your pastor and you wanted to, you wanted to say, Pastor, how, how can I get to where I want to be? I, I'm, I don't have a whole and I don't have a complete life. In my mind, I might never say it to you. In my mind, I would be thinking, we need truth, we need grace, we need some time, and we can bring them to healing. And that, that equation is going to be working in my mind. Truth plus grace plus time is going to bring them into a healing experience, and they're going to begin to live a life of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and, and all that stuff. But we're going to need some truth, grace, time. What is it again? <laughs> all right. Don't mistake it for the formula that often gets plugged in here. I call this the deadly formula. Truth plus justice plus time equals death. Truth plus justice plus time equals death. Justice is what we deserve. Justice is the punishment. If we know truth about you, there's going to be some stuff in there that's wrong. Amen? There's going to be sin in the truth about you, isn't there? There's going to be faults and failures, sin, dare we even say wickedness, evil there. And if we know that to be true and we give you justice, give that a little bit of time and you will spiritually die. So we don't want that, and that's what we tend to have. The foundational passage for uh, uh, this series is Luke chapter 13. Let me read it to you. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it and did not find any. We're talking about fruitfulness, right? He didn't see any love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. He didn't see any of that. He, he went to look at their lives, and they didn't, he didn't find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for, a fig, for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I will dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. And then the Bible abruptly moves on. Because if you're like me, and we have inquiring minds, right? 
I want to know, after the manager of the vineyard dug around the fig tree and fertilized it, I want to know what happened the next year. Anybody else? I want to know if it got cut down and thrown away or whether it just blossomed. And I don't know what happened. My goodness, how could the Bible leave? You know, one of my first questions when I get to heaven is, Lord, what happened to that fig tree? Did it produce fruit or not? And I'm going to just walk on a limb here and say, maybe we're not told how it ended so that we can write our own ending. So you can decide whether that fig tree responded to the cultivation and the fertilization and became fruitful or whether it didn't. And so today I challenge you, let's write a different ending. Let's write an ending that says, on the fourth year, after it had had been tilled up around it and fertilized well, on the fourth year it became fruitful. Maybe we could say, in the year 2020, that's when everything got clear. It's kind of an inside joke in there if you think about it. But it's too early and get it, 2020 vision. We'll just take a break there and let that one go. And so I think things can be different than they have ever been. Amen. Mark, I need a little bit more monitor. I'm going to blow a vocal cord out. I can't, I can't hear. I can't see myself speak. So what we're going to talk about here is how we're going to make sure that 2020 doesn't become 2019 all over again, or 2018 or 17, and, and all. How that things can be vastly different. And if you could say today that when I look at my life, I see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and, and all those things, then we just kind of ride this series out and cheer the rest of us on while we try to get where you are. But if you look and you say, it's not me, I, I don't have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control and faithfulness, I don't have all those things in then to, today we could begin the journey to get you there. And they all said, Amen. We should write an end to the parable with our own future. So here we go. Number one, what we're going to need to do is admit that things are not as they should be. Admit that things are not as they should be. Say that out loud. Admit that things are not as they should be. The fig, the fig tree had suffered some kind of a setback, some kind of adversity. Something was wrong with this fig tree. Was it some kind of disease? Did it not have any fertile soil around it? It needed something to be added to it or taken away. Or maybe it needed some things to be added to and some things to be taken away. But something needed to change before this was ever going to be a fruitful tree. And that's where we have to get to. We have to say, Lord, something's got to change. Some things have got to be taken out of my life and some things have got to be put into my life if I'm going to be fruitful. Amen? Some things have got to change. Something bigger than I am has attacked me. Something that I have no control over has attacked me. 
in flu season. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? A little invisible thing attacks you. Um, my wife and I got our flu shots two weeks ago tomorrow, so don't touch me till tomorrow. Please. Because we feared the invisible thing that comes in that's bigger than you are. It's bigger than your ability to fight it off. Listen to me very carefully. We will never come to fruitfulness until we first come to truthfulness. We will never come to fruitfulness until we first come to truthfulness. And we see and we understand it's simply admitting something's not right. Something's not right with me. Something's not right with my heart. Something's not right with my family. Something's not right with my marriage. Something's not right with my... Something's wrong. You know, we, we never will experience love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. We will never experience those things until we admit something is wrong. Denial is not faith. My goodness. I hear faith teachers say all the time, denial is faith. You say, well, I've got this going on. Oh, don't speak that over your life. <laughs> that's, that's not faith. Faith is clarifying. There's something wrong. When Jesus walked up to a cripple, he didn't say, deny that you're crippled. He said, you're crippled. Stand up. I'm here. Remember, he encountered the guy at the pool of Bethesda, the lame man. He said, what do you want? He didn't say, deny that you're crippled. He said, what do you need? What do you want? Lord, I, I need to get up. Okay, we can do that. So, admit that there's something wrong. Secondly, allow grace to enter the equation. Don't ever <laughs> replace grace with justice. Allow grace to enter the equation. What did the manager say to the landowner? Give me one more year. He didn't say, hey, wait, I think it may have been fruitful. You just didn't see the fruit. He said, give me another year. That's grace. That's the advocate. He's stepping in and saying, I know the truth is there's no figs on the fig tree. The fig tree's not figgy. But could you give me another year? There's an advocate stepping in to say, wait a minute, could we apply grace to this situation? Grace says you get another chance. Amen? Grace says you get a do-over. Grace says you get a mulligan here. And God, this time you get another chance, and God will be leading the effort to fix you. Isn't that wonderful? He's never failed, never will fail, doesn't know how to fail, and He's going to be leading the effort to fix whatever's wrong with you. Isn't that wonderful? You like it when you've got a physical problem and you have absolute confidence in your doctor? Don't you love it when the doctor steps in and says, yeah, there's a pretty serious problem here. But I've seen this before, I've dealt with this many times, and I have never, ever had this situation that I couldn't cure. And that's what the great physician is saying today. I, I have got this, just let me get this. The Bible says, by one sacrifice, He, Jesus, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. By what? One sacrifice, 
He has perfected. He's made us fruitful. He's healed us from our brokenness. He's healed us from our wickedness. By one sacrifice, He has provided grace to all of us. By one sacrifice, on the basis of one sacrifice, He has provided grace to all of us. Man, that's, that's wonderful. Man, that's awesome. I need you to, to listen with your heart. Because I want to... The road's going to get bumpy here for a moment. In fact, you might be tempted to get mad at me, but just know this, Jesus will zap you if you do. In the safety of God's grace, we have the freedom to admit our faults. In the safety of God's grace. Do you know when people cannot admit their faults? It's when they're not safe in grace. If I know that you will love me in the presence of my faults, I won't be so worried about hiding my faults. And let's soak in for a moment. Listen. Are you listening? Are you? Stomp down on the dentures. Grab hold of the wigs. The things that have wounded you are now causing you to wound others. The things that have broken you are now causing you to break others. You have to admit that in the presence of grace. Our depression has made life very depressing for others. But I bet I bet that when we allow grace to make us safe, safe enough to face our faults, I bet that God still loves us. And I bet the people in our life they were afraid to admit this to will still love us too. Hello? God loves me, and I'm pretty sure others do, even when I admit that there is sin in my life. Sin that I need to be delivered from. One of the greatest problems you have, let's not talk about me, let's talk about you. The greatest problems that you have is you're afraid if you admit the sin in your life that people will stop loving you. You're afraid that people will pull away from you. You're afraid they'll always see you in the... But see, that's why we need grace. Grace says that even when I am filthy by sin, I am still valuable to God. And I'm still valuable to the people that love me. And so I really, really tried to discipline myself in this is when someone is expressing to me something that I have done that damaged them, 
rather than to get defensive and say, what, who, what, when, where, and and to stop and, and just think for a moment, maybe the first thing I need to do is say, how? The second thing I need to do is say, I'm sorry. And if I am resting in, in their love and in God's love, I can say, how did I hurt you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need, I need to learn how. Because it, it could be that the things that have broken me are causing me to break you. And I've got to face the fact that I am broken by something that I need healing of, so I will quit quit breaking other people. Is this making any sense at all? My uh, my parents, I love them dearly. They never read any of James Dobson's books on parenting. They didn't understand all this stuff of so often, if I were in trouble with my dad or something, or if he had disappointed him some way, I, I heard things like, you're stupid, you're an idiot, you'll never amount to anything. And I heard those words, and they, they cut to the bone. And, and when I grew up, I, I soon found myself living in that reality and reacting to people on the basis of that brokenness. And I have to make a very deliberate effort to say, I will never allow that damage done to me to cause me to damage my kids if I can help it. And I don't know if you have those things. You know, we've got three amazing kids. Uh, but you know, once in a while they'll start talking about their childhoods and maybe they might bring something up. Well, Dad, remember when... Yeah, this, and if, it, if it's not a good memory, I'll just simply say, I'm sorry. Sorry, I, I was at my wit's end. I, 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 didn't, I didn't think that through. I'm sorry. And you know what? I've never had one of them yet say, yeah, I can't believe it. So it's, I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. I know you're doing the best you could. You just don't. You know, they didn't say that. They didn't say that. There's an amazing experience that happens when grace shows up in your life. You can embrace the fact of your own sinfulness and your own brokenness. They all said, see, when I draw my identity and my expectations from my past mistakes, then I get very protective of those mistakes. If I, I don't want you to know about them because, you know, that's who I am. But when I understand that grace has rewritten that, and I'm not guilty of the stuff God has forgiven me of, then I can be willing to deal with it. Number three, to give grace some time to work. Give grace some time to work. You may have taken 20 or 30 or 40 years to mess things up. It may take God a few years to straighten them out. <laughs> The Bible says, not us, not, let us not become weary in well-doing, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. At the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. There's no limit to how fast God can work, but there is a limit to how fast we can learn. 
There's no limit to how fast God can do things. There is a limit to how fast we can process what God is doing. And so sometimes, in fact, often it takes a whole process of God working in us to change us so that we can be the person that God wants us to be. The advocate, remember, in the parable I talked to you about, he wasn't going to just say, let's let another season go by. Winter, spring, summer, fall, and then we'll come and look, and if there's no figs, okay. He said, in this time, I'm going to do things differently. I'm going to come up to this fig tree, and I'm going to break up the ground around it, and with that fresh, broken soil, I'm going to pour fertilizer, and this time, things are going to be different. I'm going to need time, but it's not going to be time passing for the sake of time. Things are going to be different while that time passes. I think some of you guys have misunderstood Isaiah chapter 60, verse 22. I saw you passing it around on Facebook. When the time is right, I will make it happen. I saw you guys passing that around. <laughs> and not just you guys. I saw people passing it around on social media. I thought, sounds to me like there's some people expecting another Jesus box in the mail. You know, the Jesus box where you just keep on living just the way you're living. God hands you a box, you open it up, and all of a sudden, joy, peace, patience. It just starts jumping out of the box on you. Because now it's God's time for me to have love and joy and peace. And, and I got a box from God, and I'm gonna, that, it's not going to work. Isaiah 60 is talking about God is going to honor Israel, and God's going to defeat the enemies of Israel, and at the proper time, God's going to bring victory to Israel. Not you. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> you are going to have to be cultivated and fertilized and let God change some things about how you're doing life. I should have said we. Number four, align with healing. Aligned with healing. Put it in there again, didn't I? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Align with that. See, sometimes we we don't know how we should look because life has never looked the way that it should look so we don't know how life should look look what i said look you know sometimes uh we we joke and us uh you know um pastor dustin and i we usually every november we do some rifle deer hunting together. I've already made up my mind that next year when it comes time for rifle season, I'm going to send him a picture of this last year's buck that I got and say, Dustin, this is what you're looking for. And I'm going to rub it in a little bit, you know. It's all kind of in fun uh, to say, this is the picture of what we're looking for. (laughs) 
Uh, you know, would you like to see a picture of my trophy? Do we have that on PowerPoint? No, I'm just kidding. Best trophy of my life this past year. Very fortunate. Blessed. But when Galatians 5, 22 and 23 gives us a picture and says, this is what you should look like. Love, joy, peace, patience. This, this is what you should look like. You know what some of you just did? You disqualified yourself. It's not me. You've got to stop doing that. You've got to you start believing that God's picture of you is attainable through the power of God. This is a fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit that's living in you. The Spirit that wants control of you produces love. So stop stop disqualifying yourself. The Bible says in Romans 8, 37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. In all these things. You ever wonder what these things are? If you looked at the context... These things are trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, and sword. In all these things, not after all these things, in all these things, we are made more than conquerors. In other words, while all these things are going on around us, we are more than conquerors, even though we're living in a world that can be very difficult because our fruit is coming from the Spirit on the inside of us and not from the stuff going on outside of us. See? And a part of your Jesus box is that we want that thing delivered because it's going to fix everything around. Oh, we're finally, everybody is like, like, like saying, I don't need to take anger management. I need you guys to quit ticking me off. You know? That's kind of the way we look at this. I, I don't need to be fixed. I need all you guys to get fixed. Paul said, we are more than conquerors in all these things. And all this hardship and all this stuff, we are more than conquerors. You see, it is that attitude that I'm trying to align with. Bad things are happening, I'm still more than a conqueror. A heart is broken, I'm still more than a conqueror. Things turn sour, I'm still more than a conqueror. Because that didn't change the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit living in me. We can't, we can't allow our joy and peace and, and all the fruits of the Spirit to be conditioned upon what's going on outside of us. Someone will always come along and foul it up. <laughs> There's my positive confession. Some will always come along and mess it up. Some will always come along and rain on your parade. If God is healing you, He's going to have to deliver you from a defeatist attitude and a defeatist mentality and identity, you're going to have to start saying, God is creating in me by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is giving me love, and He's giving me joy, and He's giving me peace and patience and kindness. He's he's doing this. It's Him doing these things. Amen? Have I run off and left you guys? All right. let's, let's, Let's finish introducing this. I'll start preaching the series next week. Hopefully a blizzard won't rush me. 
four challenging issues we need to be prepared for if we're going to embrace this fruitful life. First of all, this comes out of my heart. I'm not saying I draw it from Scripture. This comes out of my experience. I, I can illustrate it with Scripture. The first thing, first challenging issue you have to deal with, I have to deal with, is that chronic defeat, discouragement, and depression are fortified by offenses. Chronic defeat, discouragement, and depression are fortified by offenses. You're offended at people, and that's standing between you and your healing. I want to say that again. I want you to shout me down with amens. You're offended at people, and that's standing between you and your healing. I'm not too proud to beg. I find that counselors, at least Christian counselors, are some of the most despised people on the face of the earth. It is being a Christian counselor, pastoral counselor, is laden with relational problems. And I've wondered why it is that so often people that you have spent literally hours and hours trying to help can so completely sour on you. And I have a theory. I have a theory. Oh, that was weak. If I'm doing my job as a pastoral counselor, I'm forcing you to deal with stuff you don't want to deal with. And you don't like it, and you get grouchy, and you start attacking. And they all said, did you ever notice, not to put any of us in the category of Jesus, because Jesus was Jesus, but did you ever notice how people responded to Jesus preaching? They were often furious when he got done. And they left. You remember, there was a deacon in the book of Acts named Stephen. He preached one sermon. You know what happened at the end of that sermon? He gave an invitation, and the whole crowd came forward with stones in their hands. And they stoned him to death. They were singing, just as I am, and they were, And Stephen was stoned to death for preaching the truth. Chronic defeat, chronic depression, chronic discouragement are fortified by offenses. What if, oh, dear, we go here. Can I have permission to go down a rough road? I'm going to go anyway. I'd just like you to come voluntarily. What if the person we're offended at for abandoning us, we actually drove away from? What if the people we're most offended at are the people who actually tried to contribute something that we desperately needed contributed to us? Hello? There's an excellent chance that the reason we're not living in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control, there's an excellent chance 
that, we're not living in them because whatever is causing our problem, we're protecting with offense. I don't mean offense, I mean offense. We're protecting with an offense. I've got people in my life that I have known literally for decades. And for a few days, I am the best thing since sliced bread. And then for a few months and years, they can't stand me. And then after a few years of that, they'll call and say, I haven't seen you in a long time. Can I come and visit with you? And, you, and, you say, and it's always the same. I sit across the desk from them. I look at them and I say, if I start trying to help you, you're going to get mad at me. Because you have a legacy of despair and despondency and depression. And we can't deal with that unless we deal with the root causes of that. And you always, always, always get mad at me when we do. See, we take the offense, we take the dysfunction and we cover it with offense and we don't let anyone near it and we guarantee we cannot be healed because we won't listen to it. We won't allow anyone to share with us the real dysfunction of our life. I remember sitting down with a lady. You guys doing all right? Are you interested? I'm just visiting with you. I haven't started preaching yet. I remember a lady came and sat down, and she started sharing. And she, it was very dysfunctional. I mean, the, the despondency and, and everything was just, it was just taking over her life where she couldn't function. And, and she sat down, and she started talking to me about, the, you know, I want to get into a plan with you, a program. I, I, want, I want you to help me out with this. But she said, I need you to tell me this. I need to set some ground rules. I said, okay, what's that? She said, this, 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 and this are off limits. We can't talk about those. And I said, well, unless we can talk about this, 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 and this, you're just wasting my time and I'm just wasting your time. Because those things that are off limits are the very things that are making us dysfunctional. Hello? The very things that people have learned in your life, I can't bring it up, that's the thing that needs to be brought up. That's the thing that needs healing. Hello? <laughs> That's real. Is this just too real? <laughs> Number two, grace doesn't mean that God accepts us the way we are. Grace doesn't mean that God accepts us the way we are. I know, we love that, don't we? Plaster that all over social media. Grace means God accepts me. It doesn't mean God accepts us the way we are. Listen, grace means God loves us the way we are. God loves us the way we are. It does not mean that God accepts us the way we are. It means God loves us just the way we are and has a plan to change us. He has a plan to heal us. He has a plan to take care of us. He has a plan to make us fruitful. And when the junk that has come into our life, maybe through the misbehavior of other people, is making us dysfunctional, I certainly can understand it. God can understand it. But it's got to be dealt with or we will never be whole. We'll never be healed. Some people think that understanding means you can remain broken. I know why you're broken. 
I understand it. You've gone through a lot. You've suffered a lot. I understand why there's a sensitivity there. I understand why that subject brings you to tears. I, I understand why that particular situation ruins your day. I understand it perfectly, but that does not give us permission to keep it. Just nod at me if you're, if you're tracking with me. There is a lady from Australia, and I'm not endorsing everything she says because I haven't studied enough of her teachings to know whether she's all on, but I think her name is Christine Kane. Do you, do you remember? She's part of the Hillsong group, but she doesn't sing. She speaks. I've listened to a few of her messages, and so far I haven't seen any problem with them, but I hesitate to endorse someone without really having to. But in one of her messages, she says, I was an orphan from Greece, abandoned in Australia, taken in by people there. And she said, I was sexually molested by multiple men my entire childhood. And now she's standing up on the stage in front of thousands of people and teaching the Word of God. What appears to be with a very joyful spirit. She is walking point on on combating sex trafficking because she understands what that life is. She's working hard. And if you listen to her testimony, she'll tell you something that's very understandable. She said, I entered my teen years and my adult life profoundly dysfunctional from all the abuse I had gone through. You know what? I understand. I understand why a little girl who had been abused throughout her childhood would grow up dysfunctional. But God can't leave her dysfunctional and use her. God has to come in to that broken spirit and that distorted mind and start making everything new. Hello? Christine will tell you I had to stop being a victim of sexual abuse and start being an overcomer by the power of God. I understand your brokenness. That doesn't give an excuse to stay broken. Come on. I understand you went through some stuff that was devastating and and sort of warped things and created a, a... a difficult, dysfunctional way of doing life. I understand that, but it doesn't give you permission to stay there. You could walk up to a fig tree and go, wow, this fig tree is planted in clay. It, it doesn't hold water. It's cracks. It's, it's choking the life out of this fig tree. Well, I understand why it is not producing fruit, but it will never produce fruit because I understand why it doesn't. It'll produce fruit when we dig out the clay, put in some fertile soil, and water it. That's when it starts producing. And you will never produce fruit because we understand your brokenness. You will begin to produce fruit when in spite of your brokenness, God has come in in His awesome power and healed you. That's good preaching. I don't know what to say other than that. (laughs) I'm going to sit down there and amen for a few minutes, and I'll come back and finish the message. Number three, fertilizer gives us what we cannot give ourselves. 
The manager commits to fertilizing the tree. Are you listening? Have I wore out your your uh, attention span? I'm almost done. Don't don't quit on me. Chiefs kick off not for hours. Stay with me. Some of us simply don't have what we deem to be fruitful. There's no fertilizer. You're you're in a barren situation. But it's in the riches of God's Word. In the riches and the nourishment from God's Word that your soul will begin to be fertilized. And God will begin to change you. If I could challenge you anything for the year 2020, it's find a way to meditate the Word of God into your spiritual root system. Find a way to get to church when we're teaching. Find a way to get the Word of God into your the soil around your heart. And I'll tell you, uh, this series, I'm starting next week when I start preaching, I will... Uh, I'll start telling you some things you need to do to get fertilizer to the root system. Number four, breaking up the soil gives provision access to our needs. Breaking up the soil gives this provision access to to our needs. It can't get there until the soil is broken up. As long as your heart is hard, I have been hurt And I will not get hurt again, bless God. We're hard. Nothing's getting in here. You cannot be okay. I walked these premises one day with a young man. Walked around. I've never seen him in church. But I walked these premises. He came to see me. He and his wife were looking for a church. And we walked these premises. And I noticed he almost seemed angry at me, and we'd just met. And we walked, and he'd, well, he'd ask questions kind of like with an edge on them. You know, well, what do you all do here? What do you? And finally, after a while, I think we walked in the sanctuary, and I said, uh, I called him by name. I said, if you don't mind my asking, what's going on? I said, you've never met me. I'd love for you and your family to come to church. But what what is what is this? offense that you seem to have right here on our first encounter. And he said, all right, I'll tell you. Please do. Notice how he's mean and I'm not. He's got the voice. Really, tell me. He said, my last church in a certain, certain state, we were seeing the pastor for counseling. Come to find out the pastor was having an affair with my wife. I said, I promise you, if you will come to church, I won't have an affair with your wife. Promise. First off, I'd like to live to see another year. And my wife, she frowns on that kind of activity profoundly. And she knows how to use guns. And he kind of leaves and... I mean, he left. We had kind of a moment together, you know, to kind of talk a little more. But you know what? 
the soil around his heart was hardened by what he'd gone through. Nothing could get in. And again, I understand. But understanding isn't healing. Have I given you number four yet? I have, haven't I? Every once in a while, early in the spring, my wife and I will buy this this big pouch of, of spikes, plant food spikes. We go out to our few little apple trees, and I'll stick a shovel in the ground, and I'll move it back and forth, and she'll drop a spike in there, and I'll shove it down in there, and then I'll close up the wound, and we'll just go down there because I need, we need that fertilizer to get to the root system. There is a chance, even today, that some of you guys are a little bit ticked off at me. And if you're not, surely someone on the video will be. You know, it's a gift I have. Um, but if I don't break up the hard ground, you're never going to get here. You know, I don't mean to be heartless when I say your brokenness is causing you to break others. And that's not right. Your depression is depressing others. Your woundedness is wounding others. You've got to take responsibility for that. And you've got to say, life does not revolve around me. I need to be fruitful. Let me give you one last verse. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. Watch this. And break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers righteousness on you. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? It's time to plow it up and break it up. Now, are you guys in a hurry? Too late, isn't it? You don't know this. I'm telling you a secret about my preaching technique. I usually write an introduction about a half a page long to my sermons. I'll write the sermon. I'll write an introduction about a half a page long. I have it in notes right here. For the first time in my life, when I wrote the introduction to this series, it was over five pages long. From a half a page to five. When I started sharing the notes, people started going, what? What is this? I said, that's just the introduction. Man, it's going to take me two weeks just to inter- introduce this. Because, and I know what you're asking, is why would he spend two weeks introducing a sermon? Are you asking that, aren't you? Okay. Because if you're not ready to hear it, it's not going to do you any good. I'm going to give you four things that I say resolutions that heal. I'll tell you. We're going to talk about you've got to make the right connections. And you've got to make the right disconnections. And you've got to make the right reconnections. And then you've got to live out those connections. That's my four points that I'm going to preach to you starting next week. But if you're not ready, if you're not understanding, I'm going to be banging my head against the rock wall. And if, if I'm coming at you and saying, you know, 
what's going on in your life is making you unfruitful. Admit it. You don't have love and joy and peace and patience and temperance. You don't have all that. Admit it. And quit protecting the reason you don't have that. Quit protecting that. There's people in your life that if they had permission, they would lovingly sit down with you today and say, you know what's wrong? And they'd fill in the blank. And the reason they won't do it is you would attack them if they did. And they can't tell you your worst kept secret. What's wrong with you? Because you're protecting it with a wall of appearance. God help us. God help me. That when someone that loves me approaches me and says, Jeff, you've got a problem. Can I talk to you about it? That I'll sit down, take a deep breath, and go, let me have it. God help me to want fruit bad enough to take down the fence of offense around my dysfunction. Amen? Amen? Well, I'll start preaching next week. Stand with me, please. I wonder, maybe I shouldn't ask for a response on this one, but some of us would really appreciate your prayers because in the year 2020, we're going to lose some weight. Right. I plan on being so fit by the end of this year, you'll just be going, oh my goodness, what a nice looking guy. You know. But I know this about fitness, is that you don't just get off the couch and take off. Next thing you're going... get off the couch and you you start stretching things out warming things up because this jog is going to be brutal that's kind of what we're doing right now spiritually stretching things out warming things up Some of us, we're going to have to sit down with people we love. We're going to have to admit my brokenness has caused me to break you. And I am so sorry. My offense made me do some things that offended you. My pain has caused me to lash out and inflict pain on you. You didn't deserve it. But you're wounded and there's a legacy going on. A legacy of woundedness is just filtering out from me because I am not willing 
to look toward heaven and say, God, heal me. I'm not willing. I, I, I'm accepting understanding. Yes, I Instead of healing. Father, I ask you, please. There are some who really don't want this year to just be a retread of last year. There's some who really want love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control and faithfulness. They want that. And you're the advocate. You're willing to help. God, please, give your sons and daughters the determination let down their guard in the presence of those that love them and to get help. Help us pray together. Help us explore together. Help us walk in the Spirit together. Lord, help us be instruments of healing together. Father, if there's anyone here today doesn't know you as Savior. I ask you, Jesus, that you would give them the faith right now. That they would just embrace your grace. That they would know at their worst moment you love them. And you do love them. And they can just accept your love along with your forgiveness today as they believe in their heart and confess with their mouth. Jesus is Lord. Amen. You prayed that prayer. Please let us know so we can help you get started. God bless you. Hey, well, the series starts next week, so don't don't miss that. Amen. God bless. See you next week.